All right, if I could ask you to go ahead and turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 is where we're going to be in for our message today. And I'm calling this message Love Beyond Compare. And I think that uh, reason for that title will come through as we study it. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be covering verses 6 through 11 today. True story. Um, a gentleman named Hayden Carlo. Hayden Carlo lived in Plano, Texas, and he found himself out driving one day, and he was going over the speed limit, and not surprisingly, he got pulled over. But it was a big problem for Hayden, because as the officer walked up to the car and he asked for two things, he said, can I see your license? Can I see your registration? And as he asked for that license, no problem. Registration, we got a problem. Hayden's registration was expired. Well, the officer saw this and he knew what his duty was. He said, I've got to give you a citation. And at that point, Hayden stopped him. And he said, can I just give a word of explanation? And I have to believe that most police officers are thinking that people are lying to them when they have a word of explanation or when they're talking to them. And so police have it tough when it uh, comes to thinking people are telling the truth or not. But it just so happened here that Hayden was telling the truth with this. He said, I've recently lost my job. And so I've been having some difficulties with finances. And I did have some money that came in. And I had to make a decision between uh, renewing my registration or else buying food for my family. And I made the decision to buy the food for my family. Now, let me ask you, what should the police officer do at that point? What do you think? Well, his obligation is to give him a ticket. What do you think he did? He gave him a ticket. <laughs> he gave him a ticket for $100, which is what that, uh, that the penalty is for driving with an expired registration. But as Hayden Carlo got back in his, or as he uh, got ready to go, he opened up that citation that he was given. And along with the $100 ticket, he found a $100 bill. And that's a very sweet story. I want to encourage you not to think that's going to happen to you um, if you're pulled over and are given a ticket. But I don't want us to miss the point. Because of my sin and because of your sin, we have been given a ticket by Jesus. But Jesus paid that ticket himself. This is a good picture of what we're going to look at today. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 6 through 11, and then we'll cover all those verses in our study. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, we or shall we be saved by his life? 
More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Well, what we're going to see in God's word today is that God's love compared to human love is so, so different. We're going to find how different God's love is, divine love, compared to human love. And then we're going to see why this causes us, when we have experienced that love, it causes us to rejoice in the past, in the present, and in the future. All right, all of that to take us here to uh, Romans chapter 5. We're going to break this down. I'm going to give a couple points, just two points, and we're going to divide the section right in half. If you are wondering, as we just read through those verses, if there's anything here that's going to be helpful for you, um, without going too long on, the Bible is always applicable for us. Uh, so don't get too nervous about the application because we'll see it very clearly. But let me give you a couple places that my mind went to as we were, as I was studying through this and as I'm getting ready to teach through these few verses in Romans chapter 5. First of all, if you are an individual that has struggled with assurance of your salvation, and by that I mean you have made a salvation decision, but there came a point where you wondered if you were really saved or not. I've been sharing testimonies uh, Monday through Friday over WMPC. You can see those on our Facebook page if you'd like to go back and view them. They've been a huge blessing. But there's one thing that has been in common with several of them are individuals that made a decision of salvation and then they struggled to have assurance of that. If you find yourself in that category today, you're going to be blessed by these verses in Romans chapter 5. And then also, here is another help for us. If you are one that has talked to someone, or if you find yourself speaking to someone who believes that they are so bad, their life has been so evil or so filled with sin that they couldn't be on the receiving end of God's love and forgiveness, then this message is for you. I can remember years ago, um, I, before I went to college, I was working with a gentleman, and as I talked with him and was inviting him to church and talking about God, this was basically his story. He said, you don't know what I've done. You have no idea what's in my past. And so if you ever come up, a, uh, up against someone with that kind of a thinking, this passage should be a blessing and encouragement for you. All right, just two simple points that we're going to work through today. If you're taking notes, and I'd encourage you to take notes. It's helpful to um, keep things straight. They're kind of hooks that we hang the passage on is what they are. Number one, we see the contrast between divine love and human love. We find that in verses 6, 7, and 8. Paul very clearly gives a contrast between divine love and human love. Let me talk just for a moment about a struggle that we have in this world when trying to think of spiritual things or when we try to think of God. When we try to think of spiritual things, we are limited to thinking on the horizontal. And so we only think moving straight out from ourselves, going one direction, staying low. 
and we don't think in the vertical. And so many truths that God wants us to understand, really, we have to, uh, we have to allow ourselves to think in the vertical, if possible. And of course, we have a limit to that, so there's going to be an amount of faith that is involved. But I want to just point this out before we jump into this first point too much. Trying to understand the vertical while only being able to see the horizontal, it handicaps us a little bit. Remember that when we talk through this. Now, we have covered a big chunk that has been talking about the wrath of God on unrighteousness. And I announced a few studies ago that we're leaving that section. But it could be that as we were reading through the text, some of you heard some descriptions that Paul was giving. And they weren't very flattering, were they? Paul, in this section here, called individuals weak, ungodly, sinners, and enemies. Okay, Paul, I think we get the point. But I think for this contrast between divine love and human love, it's important that he brings these back up. And so you have been called a sinner. You've been called ungodly. You've been called weak, an enemy of God. Everyone before receiving Jesus Christ is an enemy of God. And a holy God is going to die for us when we are described in this way? And the answer is yes. And so we see here love. Love is described. But there's a difference between divine love and human love. What do I mean by that? Well, or a human love is based on a couple things typically. When you think of someone who loves another here in this world, there are some things that will naturally come to your mind. First of all, there is the aspect of attractiveness. Oftentimes, when you love someone, you are loving them based on how you are attracted to them. That could be someone in your family. It could be a close friend. It could be the kindness that they show to you. It could be their looks. There's all kinds of things that would attract us to someone. So when humans love someone, it is based oftentimes on attractiveness. And that is way different than what we're going to see with divine love. Another thing that we see with human love is oftentimes it is reciprocal, right? It is based on how you love them based on how they have shown love to you. That makes sense to us on the horizontal, but that is not how divine love is going to work. So verses 6, 7, and 8 are trying to give us this contrast. It's different. Understand, when God looked down upon this earth, there was not a time that God saw you or saw someone down here and looked at them and was just so smitten and taken with them because of what he saw in them. Oh my goodness. I just can't resist that one there. And he tells the angels, go, go and save that one. Go and get that one. I've got to have them in my family. No, there is a description right at the start. We are weak. We are enemies. We are sinners. We are ungodly. Divine love is going to love things that are not attractive. Divine love is going to love people who cannot reciprocate in any way to earn that love. 
So we find here a difference between divine love and human love. Look at verse 7, if you've got your Bible open. We, we have a horizontal illustration. Praise the Lord that Paul gives us an illustration to bring us down to our level. Verse 7, Paul says there that on a rare occasion, there might be a person who will die for another person. It is rare for one person to give their life for another. That is not very common. But if that's going to happen, it has to be worth it to the person that's going to die. And he says here, it's going to have to be a good man. Maybe somebody will die for a good man. That's how we think. We do not think that a person in this world would willingly give up his life, would die for someone who wasn't worthy of it, for someone who was an enemy. And then in verse 8, which is the most familiar sounding verse to those of us who are familiar with the Romans road. Let me read it again. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we have a beautiful illustration that maybe one man would die for another man if he was really good. And then Romans 5 eight says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So here's what's going on here. Perfect God died for evil man. That is what happened. That is the contrast. And so the vertical truth that is so hard for us to grasp and if, if you can't understand it, if you search and search and search and try to find a reason for this, you're probably going to fall short. The vertical truth here is Christ came into this world to save sinners. Someone might ask, well, did, did Jesus Christ die for the godly? And the answer is nope. <laughs> there was no one godly that Jesus died for there was no one worthy. There was no one that they said, oh my goodness, look how great that guy is. You gotta go and die for him so you can have forgiveness. Everyone was an enemy of God. In 2004, in Iraq, there was uh, something that happened that illustrates this point um, a little bit to give us some clarity. Marine Corporal Jason Dunham was with a crew and they were checking a line of cars as they were going through and of course that was a dangerous job there would be folks that were coming through that might have wanted to cause harm to the u.s military and as dunham was with this crew he saw a white toyota land cruiser coming towards him that was bigger and so there was a thought that came into their mind there might be something to watch for there and then as the car got close, they could see there was an obvious reason to pull the driver out. It appeared there were weapons that were in that car. And so Dunham, along with the crew, they pulled the driver out. I think the driver knew that he was caught here. And so he begins to struggle once he got out of the car. Dunham would fight with this terrorist and they would wrestle and he would wrestle him to the ground, but before he got him to the ground, the terrorist was able to take a grenade and to pull the pin and to drop it 
right there so he could do some damage. Instinctively, what Dunham did was grabbed his helmet off of his head and he jumped with his helmet on top of the grenade and then put his body on top of the helmet and the blast killed Dunham. He saved some of his fellow soldiers and also in that same process, he saved the terrorists. Effectively, Jesus Christ absorbed the blast after you and I pulled the pin. We need to understand that Jesus Christ received the wrath of the Father for the sins of the world. And as the wrath was poured out, it is incredible and it's, it's unthinkable for us. This is scandalous, isn't it? Holy God allowing himself to die for sinful man. And yet 1 John 4, 9 and 10 tells us that God's love is not just a feeling. Too many people think that love is simply a feeling and they lose that feeling so they move past it. Love is an action or love is a verb. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how we know that God loved us, that he gave his son. The Bible teaches us that our God's love is filled with action. And God's love is different than man's love. All right, if you're taking notes, let me give you a second one here. Number two. Number two is reasons to rejoice in the past, present, and future. We find these in verses 9, 10, and 11. In verses 9, 10, and 11, let me go ahead and uh, read all of them again for us. Matthew 5, not starting in verse 9. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more we, shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. If you look, you can see the in verses 9 and 10, the past tense and the future tense. We're going to talk about that just for a moment. All of humanity is divided into two different camps. You have the one camp, the individuals who have accepted Jesus Christ, and they will be welcomed into heaven someday. And then you have the other camp. These are the people who have not accepted Christ as their Savior. And their future, after judgment by God, is in a place that we call hell. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains in him. There's that word wrath again. And so Paul is going to ask us to look back to the cross in verses 9 and 10. And also in verses 9 and 10, he's going to ask us to look ahead to our escape from judgment. We truly have something to look forward to. In verses 9 and 10, we have the past and we have the future. And here's what we find here. We find one of the most powerful promises in all of the Bible. 
Because what this is talking about is the keeping power of God. You look back, you look at a time when he was working in your heart and you were convicted and you asked God for forgiveness and he made you his child. And in the same verses, he says that person who did that can look ahead to where they will not be on the receiving end of God's wrath. We have heaven to look forward to. And yet, we struggle, don't we? Myself included, had struggles with doubting my salvation, with the assurance of my salvation. And the reason for that is, is because I wasn't looking at God and what we learn of God here in Romans 5, I was looking at myself. And that makes sense. When we are not living like we should, sometimes we'll revert back. I heard one person say uh, years ago that he had literally prayed a sinner's prayer of repentance thousands of times because he just wanted to make sure. He, he, he was just so at odds with himself. And when we look at our own lives, don't misunderstand me, there is an expectation that we will be maturing. This is called progressive sanctification, a progress of our growing to be more like Jesus Christ, that we cannot do away with that. That needs to be there for the believer. But just because you cannot see that, that does not undo the work of salvation when you were saved. If you have repented and turned to Jesus Christ for salvation, nothing can undo that. And so I know we'll look at ourselves and we will consider ourselves a failure sometimes. We know that God makes new creatures which should result in godly lives, but we need to be careful. Do not mix the maturing process with how much God loves you. If God loved you enough to save you, God is going to love you enough to keep you. And that's where we have to keep our focus. If you want to jump into this next statement and study it more, I would welcome you to, because some might find you controversial. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. If you're a child of God, and you've been saved by grace. God showed his love to you in that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. If you've accepted that love, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. You didn't do anything to make him love you in the first place. And so once you were saved, you cannot make him love you more or less. All right, what have we seen in this passage here? Well, first of all, we saw that God has saved you from that wall of separation. In the past, when we look at the cross, there was a wall of separation between man and God. And if you've accepted Christ, that separation is gone. We can pray. We have Christ as the great intercessor. We can pray. We can receive information from the Holy Spirit as we study the Word of God and as the Spirit leads us in our lives. So that wall of separation is gone. And then we also saw how God will save us in the future from the wrath. Now, there will be wrath that is poured out in the future. For those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, 
They have all the opportunity in the world to receive Christ while they're here in this world. But after they die or after the Lord Jesus comes back to take his children home in the rapture, I believe there will be no more opportunity to receive Christ. And it's that point where you will be standing before God as your judge and he will judge you according to your sins. And then you will experience the wrath of God because you did not accept that free gift of salvation. That's past, that's future. We also see the present in verse number 11. And this is really quick, it's really easy. Basically, verse number 11 talks about the present and it says we are to respond by rejoicing. Our response should be worship. If you have been reconciled to God, that's why Jesus did the work that he did, then we have reason to worship. I challenge our people on that daily broadcast, Monday through Friday, to make sure that you're having a private time of worship. We are also blessed to be able to have a public time of worship. In two weeks from today, we'll be gathering together at Calvary to have public worship. And the reason for that is, it's a response from individuals to the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has done this, saved me in the past, it's gonna save me in the future, and so what is my response today? It is to rejoice. It is to worship. All right, what can you do with this? How can you apply this to your life? I think there's several applications just from these few verses. Number one, when you think of love, you need to allow your love to be patterned after God's love which means when you love others, it needs to be shown by your what? By your actions. Too many couples have fallen in love and they have that feeling and that feeling goes away and they'll never think that feeling will go away and yet it can. And that is why there's a command that we are to love our spouse. And that command is not to have a feeling for our spouse. That command is to show action of love towards our spouse. Let your love for others be shown through your actions. Love is a verb. Next, what can you do with this? Well, you can have the assurance that God's love for you will never change. Have you seen that here? God's love for you will never change based on your service for him. You can't make him love you more based on your lack of service for him. You can't make him love you less if you're a child of God. And then finally, what else can you do? Well, because of what we have seen in the past, what we know about the future, our response is to what? I just said, did you catch it? We are to rejoice, verse 11 says. We are to worship. That is what God calls us to do. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, if there's doubts in your mind, I understand doubts, but just understand clearly what the Bible says about a person who is going to heaven looks like, what they have done based on the work of Christ. And if you believe that, then you're a child of God. You might need to pray a prayer and ask God for forgiveness and to make you his child. But if you've already done that, Base your assurance on what the Word of God teaches. I can't remember the specific day I was saved. In fact, I can't remember the specific year that I was saved. I have some 
times in my life that jump out to me um, that are memorable, where God was doing a work in my heart, but I couldn't tell you for sure if I was five years old or 12 years old or 17 years old. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt today that I am a child of the one true King and I will not be experiencing the wrath of God because of my sins, because Jesus Christ on the cross absorbed God's wrath for me. And because of that, we worship. Christ pray, paid a price that we could not pay to give us a life that we do not deserve. Let's pray. Oh, Father, your love we, we cannot understand that. We cannot take it in. But from what we see in the scriptures, we rejoice and we claim it. And we trust you. This love that is hard for us to understand, divine love, so much greater than our human love. For those of us who are on the receiving end of that, we thank you and praise you. We praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could have forgiveness victory over sin and victory over death and we thank you for the holy spirit that was promised and that comes into our hearts so that we can have victory as we go we praise you father we praise you son we praise you holy spirit in jesus name amen